1: A rich man's world. I have turned and we're live.
0: All right. Yay. Here we go, baby. We're we live. Cheers.
1: Cheers. I'm with my mama. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. Welcome, mama, to the Faking It podcast. <laughs> it's about fake it till you make it, not faking orgasms. I love it. I love it. And you are my first guest oh. on my podcast. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's very awesome. <laughs> Who else would I do if not for my mom? Yeah, so thank, thank you, you so much well. for coming on. So proud that you have this podcast. It's really cool. Thanks. You like my setup? I do like your setup. <laughs> it's actually really nice. Very well done. Thank you. You're Anyways, um, yeah, so thank you for coming. Want to talk about the coffee that we're drinking? I think it's interesting. Sure. So we got this. Is not people may think that this is from Starbucks.
0: <laughs> it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Psych. <laughs> this is not from Starbucks, even though it has all the Starbucks. Information on it. It's like in the Starbucks cup and as a Starbucks um, cup holder. But we actually,
0: during COVID, you want to say the story? Sure. So, you know, I really followed all the COVID rules and I really didn't go out. I have a pre existing condition. So I was really nervous to get COVID. And so for many, many months, I had no Starbucks coffee. And um, Miriam said, Ima, I'm going to find a way to get you your Starbucks coffee at home. Mm-hmm. So, she found the exact machine that can heat my milk, because I like it... Scalding. 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 Extra burning, scalding hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like um, sugar-free cinnamon dolce syrup, and I like non-fat milk that's also organic. So, she found the right coffee maker. She bought the Starbucks pods. We got cinnamon from Sri Lanka. Yeah. We got non-fat organic milk. Mm-hmm. We got Starbucks sugar-free cinnamon, cinnamon dolce latte, which is not easy anymore. I know. Now they discontinued it and so We still
1: managed to get we it. We still have some. We have the last. Woo-hoo!
0: <laughs> <laughs> now they're going for like $200 a pop, you know. <laughs> we have like 8 of them. <laughs> and then um and then Miriam in the supreme act of deliciousness. Because at that point I had COVID and I was really sick. I was not getting out of bed and I was not doing well. She even bought the Starbucks cups and the Starbucks sleeves to kind of make me feel like life can be normal again. Mm -hmm. Um, And even when COVID, you know, the restrictions eased and we could go back to Starbucks... I like my version of Starbucks better than Starbucks' right. It's organic.
1: The cinnamon's from Sri Lanka. Exactly. You know, it's, it's always scalding hot. Yeah, it's
0: scalding. <laughs> scalding, <because>. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bad yeshiva education. Exactly.
1: Okay, anyways, let's go to why I wanted to talk to you on this podcast. I yes. want you to come on. A lot. Sure. Onto my podcast.
0: I'm all in, baby. You know, whatever you do, (laughs) I'm there as your cheerleader. I know. Thank you. You've always been my cheerleader, always. Same for you. Thank you. I love you. I love you, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um... But I, so it was really hard for me to decide what I want to talk about with you first. Okay. Because I have all these different things that I want to talk about with you, like business right. and like inspiration and like all these things, like in ways that you've played a role in
0: my life. Oh, yeah, I'm in for it all.
1: Yeah. But when I thought about it, so the first episode that I did was about faking it, about like fake it till you make it. Okay. And the second part of what my podcast is about is not faking orgasms. Mm. So I thought that as episode two of my podcast, it'd be great for us to talk about Sex. <laughs> of course. Great. What are your thoughts? Are you in? Uh yeah, why not? Yay! I'm in. I'm in. I'm and, in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why my mother is a very supportive mom <laughs> and why I can talk about sex all the time with her because That's she's so always true. she's always a yes man when it comes to sex, you know? <laughs> true. That is true. Yeah. And so I thought I'd just talk about a little bit of my story with my own sexuality and like yeah. sex and how you've always empowered me and Talk right. about your little snippets too, and how you're open with your own sex life, and how like we're a mother daughter, just like we can talk to each other about sex with yeah. with our partners, and how that's yeah. we've created that as a normalcy right. in our relationship, exactly.
0: Uh, and so I thought to, and I think all mothers and daughters should be able to speak openly. You mm-hmm. know, to me, wouldn't it be better to get real advice from a parent than from a stranger?
2: Mm.
0: Totally, yeah. And so I was wondering if we can
1: start a little bit from the beginning. Sure. Back when I was 13 years old. Okay. And I have one thing, actually, that I, I, I remember that you taught me. Okay. But you can tell me if you want me to remove this from the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. It's when I think I was 12, and it was by the Shabbos table. And we got into the conversation about birds and bees. And it was literally like on Shabbos, which is so funny. And I, and you're talking about birds and bees and like, oh yeah, we all know what the birds and bees are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I was 12 years old. I knew, I knew. And then I was like, but what about gay people? I, <laughs> I was know. like, and like, do, you, how do gay people do it? And I remember asking you that. And in my head, like, I didn't know that lesbian was even a thing yet. So when I said gay, meant men, men. Right. And you're like, it's with the butt. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like me. And it was so funny because it was just on the Shabbos meal. And I remember how like that really stuck with me because it, it created this normalcy of sex, of talking about sex, because I felt comfortable to ask that question at the Shabbos table, which is for those who don't know, like very holy spot, you know, like it's like kind of a family. I always
0: believe that if your child is old enough to ask, you should either do them the courtesy of answering truthfully. Yeah. Or you say very honestly, I'm not prepared to answer that question. Yeah. But do not lie to your children. Mm. personal opinion yeah yeah and so I, I never lied to you mm-hmm. i told you the truth yeah
1: and I, I that really to me was actually a moment i think the fact that i like remember this still yeah, 10 years later. i don't remember
0: it at all yeah
1: because of one i learned what gay sex was
0: i think i may have simplified <laughs> just a smidge but you were 12 so right just... so
1: in my head it was like but
0: Okay, got it. (laughs) Uh, Just try to make it as simple as possible. Although I'm sure there are millions of other ways that people of same-sex relationships can pleasure. Exactly. So that was a massive oversimplification. That was a massive oversimplification. But for a 12-year-old, I thought that was a very legitimate answer. Yes. And even in
1: general, the term sex, you know, like that's kind of... It's like heteronormative in a way. You know, like
0: we think of yeah. sex as penetrative sex. sex. Yeah, but that's not necessarily the case. Totally. It could so be... Uh, I'm sure there's a million other ways that, you know, same-sex people or people who are non-gender, non-binary, right. you know, how they show love and desire and express that to each other right. doesn't have to be penetration of any kind. Right. How So just on that topic, how do you define sex? Well... well I can't define sex for anyone other than myself. Okay. For myself, I define sex as, you know, if anyone is touching anyone else's private parts, it's sex. Right. <laughs> this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if it's with your hands, or your mouth, or your member. If there's things, action happening down there, it's sex. Mm-hmm. I like that's that. That's my personal
1: opinion. I, I actually really like that, because the way I've been defining it myself mm-hmm. is that always just trying, like trying to reach orgasm with somebody, that's how I've defined sex, so like that usually involves yeah. one of the three touching of, of some, some kind. kind, right? Yeah, so it's pretty much that. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: If anyone is pleasuring
1: anyone down there, right? That sucks. Yeah, but what I like about your definition of that is that orgasm doesn't have to be a part of it. Right. you know, because some people like aren't trying to have an orgasm; they're trying to touch
0: each other and feel right. good. And exactly, that's We're also ready in what's to more inclusive. Yeah, and also some people. Um, are, you know, have a really hard time orgasming. Yeah. yeah. You know, women have definitely more difficult, you know, statistically time to orgasm than men. Right. But even men, you know, I think with the proliferation of um, porn Mm. and the normalizing of porn, Mm. I mean, you know, I think even men have a harder time coming nowadays because they're... Understanding and you know vision. I think it really applies to younger men more than older men. I think older men understand more about what a woman looks like and right. feels like and how to actually please her. Right. I think you know a lot of people your age get their ideas about sex because they don't have that much experience of actually having it. Right. I think people your age get uh, their ideas about sex, unfortunately, Through porn. from porn. Yeah, and porn is in no way, shape, or form. Let me restate this at all indicative of what actual sex is like. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think young people come in to sex thinking, oh, this is the way to pleasure a woman. Oh, this is what a woman expects. Oh, this is what a man expects. And it's all wrong Mm -hmm. because it is based on a standard that I don't think anyone outside of a porn film could abide by.
1: Right, totally. And I was actually just talking about this with somebody that – I've noticed from my friends, because my friends range from the ages of 17 years old to 35, right? right? And so my older friends, they, when we talk about sex, it's more sensual. And with my younger friends who are like teenagers, when we talk about sex, it's more rough. Right. And they like it rough. They like it like when it hurts.
0: You know, they find really? pleasure in that. And
1: I haven't really made like comments on this about like... who's Who told you that? Uh, Not names. I'm saying it, girls or guys. Girls yikes yeah and the reason I think I haven't like said anything to them because they're like 17 and like I'm not like trying I don't know but I just it was an observation I've had recently Hmm. that I think that because of porn it's and there's even like Billie Eilish recently said made a statement that porn messed her up oh in a way because like she didn't mean to see such violent just like masochistic yeah. sites but when you go on Pornhub.com that's the first thing that comes up you know right. and, like, and I think
0: that is really, it really is affecting people I see it. what pleasures them what even gets get yeah. heart. you right. know yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, so I, I think too. porn has messed definitely with the younger crowd I right. think porn has really messed with right. their understanding of sex mm. tremendously yeah and I think it's only as you get older when you start actually having your own sexual experiences and understanding what actually pleases a woman, right. what actually pleases a man, right. what actually pleases how to please one another, yeah. you start realizing that what you saw in porn has nothing to do with reality. Right? But it does concern me. Mm. And I think it is, it's only getting worse.
1: No, I want to hear another thing that's also crazy. Yeah. Like my, I recently spoke to a girl who's like 17. That's why I know all this. She also told me that guys don't like to kiss. That, like, they just want to, like, fuck. And that they don't want to, like, anything that's actually intimate, they don't want to do. Because it's not what they're seeing on the porn. Isn't that is. crazy? It,
0: I mean, it, t- it literally, Like, it's guys terrible. literally don't
1: want to kiss her. They just but, want, like, to put their dick in her. You yeah. know? Like, it's mm. so crazy.
0: It, I'm telling it's so, you, I, like, I see mechanical. it myself. It's really crazy. It's like really crazy. You know, everyone jokes around how, like, when I, you know, I recently started dating and I do date a mixed variety of age groups. I've yeah. dated people in their late 20s. In their early 30s, in their early 40s, really a gamut, and I have seen that the few experiences I've had with you know younger people, yeah. it has definitely been more violent. Mm. There have been certain moves, like there's this choking. one choking move, <gasps> choking. They're all, all into what choking. What is with this? Choking Everybody, is. all the men are into choking, guys, and they like, don't even ask, right? It is guys, porn is not a place to learn how to pleasure a woman. Yes. Newsflash. (laughs) Most women, many women I know, do not (laughs) like being choked. Let's put it that way. Yes. I certainly have not done a study on the matter, but everyone I have spoken to and everyone you have spoken to does not like being choked. No, no, but that's not my friends. They like being choked. A lot of my friends like to be choked. That's what I'm saying.
1: The younger people actually like the violence. So girls are starting to find it pleasurable, too. The violence pleasurable, too. That's what I'm finding so interesting. Oh, my god! I don't like it because it happened to me, too. I was like, the first guy I ever had sex with, he put his hands on my neck. And oh, I was like, like bro, don't do that. do that. Yeah. Somebody told me. I forgot who told me. But I've she was slapped that in the face.
0: I've... <laughs> the I've... guy was I've... slapped I've... her I've... in the I've... face. Was like, it was like the the same same thing that happened to me. It was this bizarre <laughs> thing. I'm like, <laughs> Excuse me, what? Like, I'm a pleasure what do you think you're doing? Like, yeah. I'm like, and you learned this from where? Uh, porn. Yeah. This is really causing a massive problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it kind of lessens in when guys hit mid thirties because mm-hmm. I think at that point, Women they've been around now. a woman long enough to know that that's not how right. actual sex is. I had work. like a
1: long-term relationship. But I also maybe.
0: wonder, yeah. I mean, this I can't really you know, I don't know this, for let's just put it this way, I don't know this firsthand, but I am curious to know, are men having more difficulty coming in their 30s and 40s than they used to because they watch so much porn in their 20s?
1: Why would that be correlated?
0: Because like any other muscle in your body, right? Right we become desensit- desensitized like any other muscle in your body oh. you become desensitized to something you see very frequently right. so for example that's why if you use a vibrator too much then it just like doesn't work anymore exactly yeah. it desensitizes that area right that is physical desensitization right. there's also emotional and mental desensitization so for example if you see killing over and over and over again right. the effect of it on you lessens with each time right mm-hmm. that's why a soldier who has seen Tens of thousands of people die will have a different reaction to someone dying in front of them than someone who's never seen someone die. Right. The same is true of, let's say, men in our world. In mm-hmm. our world, men don't even see women's elbows right. or their collarbones. Bone. They're certainly not seeing people in bikinis. Mm-hmm. They're saw, so they get turned on very quickly by mm-hmm. anything because women are so unfamiliar to them. Right. Which is why I keep saying, if you stop making women unfamiliar to them, then they will be desensitized, and then a woman's elbow will do nothing to Won't them. Won't be sexual. Won't be sexual. Right. The way to desensitize someone is to make it normal. Right. So, if, like nipples, like nipples. Right. The fact that nipples, the nipple. it's like still. If everybody exactly, if everyone it's like walked elbow. around like an if everyone walked around with their nipples exposed. People would get used to it and mm-hmm. 50 years from now, nobody would think twice. Mm-hmm. It's just what we're used to. Yeah. There used to be, you know, go back to the 1950s, women weren't allowed to wear pants. Mm-hmm. Go back to the 19, to the 1800s, women weren't allowed to show their ankles. Mm-hmm. So these laws of what women, you know, what is considered proper and proper constantly evolve except for in our community. Yeah. But my point is that it's one thing. Women uncover their bodies, and so men have learned how to control themselves, which is a huge, huge step in our evolution. Women don't need to cover themselves anymore because men have learned how to literally control themselves when they see a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. So all of the laws in our world for relating the to modest... For the, well, if they're not, <laughs> they get in trouble. Right. There are laws. Yeah. They are held responsible for their actions. Right. In our community, men are not responsible, right? Mm-hmm. Women are responsible for right, men's actions. that's the rule. That's the law. The right. law is a woman has to cover so a man doesn't sin. Right. In this world, we don't say that anymore. We right. say a woman can uncover because a man has to control whether he sins or not. Right. It's up to him, not my problem. Right. So that desensitization there mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But porn is a different kind of desensitization. Porn is a desensitization of the act of sex itself. Mm -hmm. And it becomes so over and over and over and over again. Think about how many blow, I mean, not blowjobs. How many times these guys have masturbated to this, these porn things. Mm -hmm. That's what they got turned on by. Right. How much more difficult is it now to get turned on by a a normal woman, Mm -hmm. a human woman? Mm Mm-hmm. If they've been watching porn for the first the first twenty years of right, their lives. Right. That's my concern. Yeah. And I think that desensitization of sex, that making it into something that is violent. Yeah. And not emotional, not yeah. connective, not right. about tenderness right. or shared experience that right. share. I mean, there is no closer closeness than sex. Right. If it's done between two people who actually care about each other.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think that's lost. Right. To a certain degree, I think men, ha- I think women have a more difficult time asking for what they really mm-hmm. want, and I think men have a more difficult time understanding what women want, mm-hmm. because what they learned about women, they've learned off of porn. Right. That is a very dumb place to learn anything right about sex.
1: hmm Yeah. And I think now this is a good transition to talk about how we learned what we liked. Um, And so, I mean, like, you want to talk about your first time getting a vibrator? (laughs) Well, I think I talk about it all the time. Why don't you you talk about the first time I gave you
0: a vibrator? Okay, we can
1: talk about that. So uh, the first time you gave me a vibrator was when I was 17 years old. I was living in San Francisco, and you bought me a rabbit vibrator. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's about yay big. Like To me, it felt like a foot long. Um, it probably is a foot it long. It probably is a foot long. long from the battery part. Right, too. exactly. But in general, the, the yeah. dildo vibrator itself is a foot long, okay? Oh, yes. uh, it's a foot long, and it has like a little like these rabbit ears that That's go That's all by... I use. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You need that big thing because it needs to have enough um, battery power, enough power to power those rabbit ears so that they can go really, really intensely. Right. Because anything smaller takes... Three batteries or two batteries or AAA batteries, Mm -hmm. in my personal experience, doesn't have the oomph that you need in your vibrator. So I need one that has four. Mm -hmm. So it's not – I don't think I've ever even used the actual penis part of it. Mm -hmm. It's the rabbit fingers that I need at a massive strength. And the only way to get them at a massive strength – is to have those four AA batteries. Right. So and it happens to be attached to this one vibrator, which is perfect for me.
1: <laughs> Right. So you got this for me because it worked for you. Mm-hmm. And I remember you gave it to me and I was so intimidated by it because it was like this giant <laughs> dildo with rabbit ears, you know, like this huge thing with like beads on it. Remember I had like yeah, the circular yeah, beads yeah, yeah. And I was like, I am never going to be using this. I like never put my like finger inside of myself. How am I supposed to put this giant dildo inside of me? You know. <laughs> but then I explained to you. I you know you explained to me, me. you explained to me, yeah. But I remember because I just like put it on my bed. You like gave it to me one day. I put it on my bed and I had friends that came over that day to my apartment and one of my friends went to my bathroom in my room and then she found on my bed was this giant dildo vibrator. And she's like, man, what is this? And I was so embarrassed.
0: But you see how wrong that is? Why should you be embarrassed? Because she found your toothbrush. Would you be embarrassed? No. <laughs> What's the difference? It's something every woman on planet Earth should have. Mm. Yeah. It should not be something that girls can't, or anyone, can't speak amongst themselves. Totally. In Stanford, with these extremely modern, educated young ladies, they still think using a vibrator is something shameful. Right. And that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And until we eviscerate and eradicate Mm. this kind of thinking, that women talking about their sexuality is somehow dirty, bad, wrong, inappropriate... We're never going to be men's equals. Mm -hmm. Men talk about it all day, all the time, whenever they want. They discuss it with their buddies openly. They have zero... At work,
1: at 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 work, at play, at home,
0: makes no difference. No guy I've ever met has ever said to me, oh, I've never talked about sex with... I mean, what? Mm -hmm. Girls, on the other hand, the fact that you were made to feel embarrassed Mm -hmm. that you had a vibrator, why should you feel embarrassed? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have a vibrator? Totally. Better than a blow dryer. Totally. A lot more pleasure than and, a toothpaste.
1: Yeah, and I think it was good that, like, I, you gave it to me when I was 17 years old because I started off with this discomfort. But by the time I was 17 and a half, I didn't have it anymore. It became normal, and I actually bought a different vibrator that I thought would be good for me. Right. You know, but you definitely just, kind of like not forced me but just showed me this way of life that I was very uncomfortable with but then kind of normalized that for me and even and now I like work with vibrator companies I send them to my friends it's my va- favorite birthday present to gift people is a vibrator it's a huge and gift. and like something that's really funny actually is I'm not gonna say who but one of my friends from the community um, from Unsee I sent them a vibrator oh. like, like two years ago I just oh like on goodness. Amazon I'm like what's your address? and I just like sent it no way <laughs> and and then a year later yeah she she called me and she's like hey do you have like the receipt for the vibrator that you sent me like mine broke and i called them and they said, ah! <laughs> and they said they'd give me another one <laughs> but they just need the receipt <laughs> and we never Good. spoke
0: about it i love that isn't that amazing that is amazing but again what is wrong with a vibrator yeah why can't we say that word vibrator 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 vibrator, vibrator. vibrator. What is wrong with a woman... What doing? if I
1: call this episode Vibrator, Vibrator, Vibrator? Yeah, can
0: you please call this episode... <laughs> I just... It really bothers me. Why are we uncomfortable about this? Logically speaking, yeah. to make a woman come is complicated. Right. Period. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on down there. Yeah. it's a tiny little spot. Right. You got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. How can you help a guy figure it out if you don't know where it is? Yeah. If you don't know how to pleasure yourself? Yeah. I know how to pleasure myself. That's why when I'm... In a sexual relationship, I can help direct traffic, so to speak, until the person understands what gives me pleasure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If I don't know myself, how can anyone pleasure me if I cannot pleasure myself? Right. It's just not logical. Right. Anything else, you know? How if you don't know your own favorite food, how can someone cook it for you? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what your own favorite food is, right. in anything in life, right. if you don't know what you like, how can someone else give it to you? Yeah, totally. So how is a vibrator different than any other tool that we use to learn a skill? It's just so stigmatized. Why? Because it's about because of putting down, it's about religion. It's all about religion. It's about putting
1: down female pleasure, yeah. you know? Well, and, that comes from, And religion. men get in, like, I, from my friends, they've told me that the men get insecure if they want to use a vibrator in the bedroom. It's like, oh, is my penis not good enough? Yeah. Not good enough? That's it. But like, and the answer
0: is sorry. Nobody's penis is better than a vibrator. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Yeah. What guys don't understand is that our bodies are different? Not just that our bodies are different, but that a vibrator can give you an orgasm. Hmm. can give you sex.
2: Mm-hmm. Those are
0: two very different things. Right. Sex is about connection. Right. It's about skin on skin. Yeah. It's about pleasuring each other and touching each other and exploring each other. Mm-hmm. It isn't just about the act of orgasm. Yeah. But to make sex special... That has to be good, meaning Mm -hmm. there has to be kissing and touching and caressing Mm -hmm. and discovery. Mm -hmm. There has to be play. Right. Totally. Because if it's just in, out, wham, bam, you might as well just use your vibrator. Mm -hmm. Um, So what a guy has to understand is that it's not his dick that we're looking for. It's his whole being Mm. and his attention and his adulation and desire and pleasuring And that shared connectedness, you know, and it's also, I think you, like me, like most people that I know, we derive pleasure from giving pleasure, Mm. you -hmm. know, I mean, I love to give pleasure.
2: Right.
0: I love to give pleasure probably more than even I love to receive pleasure. Mm. It gives me joy. Right. You know, it's like, I like to give gifts more than I like to get gifts, Right. right? So. That's also part of the sexual experience is the giving of pleasure. Mm. And I think you don't get that from a vibrator either. It's a right. one-way experience. Yeah. I love the interactive relationship, emotional, mental, physical of two people trying to give one another pleasure. I think yeah. that's very beautiful. So how do you... Because I know a lot of like people and women that
1: I know don't really know how to ask for what they want in the bedroom... Do you have any advice
0: on, like, how they can say what feels good and what doesn't? Yeah, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question, too, because my personal opinion is figure it out from my body signals. Like, I Uh, think that I give such clearly delineated body signals that you... If you can't figure it out, like, dude, just, it's not gonna work. Okay. Because, like, in other words, you can tell if someone does X, I go, I, you know. But if they don't figure it out from your body's ignorance? I, I, honestly, if, if they can't figure it out, I probably won't sleep with them again. Okay. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Maybe Got it. people are more patient than I am. Okay. For me, it's like, if you can't get me, and I think it's pretty clear because I right. make it very clear, my body's very, very, what's yeah. the word? Um, expressive. Expressive. So you know how I'm feeling. So yeah. I think you can figure it out. Right. And you know, I wrote a lot of the things that please me in my books. If people really <laughs> want some notes, they can Read, pick those it it. in my book.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I have some advice on on that. Yeah. What I've been telling people is what I do is mm-hmm. myself is I would like say, Oh, I want you to feel good like when I'm doing something to them. So like tell me what feels good. And then I set this norm of just like communication. You know by doing that and then I ask as I'm doing something like how does that feel and it just like sets this norm in like the sexual encounter of, like we're gonna talk Right. And we're going to talk about what feels good and what doesn't. That's amazing. So that's like step one, just yeah. like setting this expectation that communication is okay, yeah, and that we can do this. Yeah. And then when it's like, let's say I'm in the receiving, then we already had that norm of like communication's okay, and so either they might pick up on that too, like oh, like what? Tell me what feels good for you.
0: Right. So either
1: that happens, and if they or don't, or you can
0: say it yourself,
1: or you say it yourself because you've already yeah. set this norm, and you just say like, oh, um, I would love if like, oh, it feels so good if you can do a little higher, like, right. and you make it hot even, you right. know, like, yeah.
0: uh, like with this like softer, please, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like softer, you know? Like, totally. like You can make it sexy. See, the problem is I can't talk during the act.
2: Okay.
0: Totally can't talk. Okay. It's the only time in my life that my brain silences. You mm. know I me? Mean? My, my mind is always working. I'm always inventing, creating. Right. I, it's hard to shut off. Yeah. When good sex is happening, I can't think. I can't form a sentence. Oh, wow. That's That's so different then. I don't want to express anything because it would get me totally out of the mood. For me to speak at all is difficult. Wow. Other than like, you know, moaning and saying dirty words just randomly. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, to formulate actual (laughs) thoughts or sentences is difficult. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, that's why I said I'm the wrong person to ask. Mm. I can't speak during the act. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have a conversation. I... My mind just closes, it yeah. shuts, it's just pure physical emotion, pleasure, sensation. Right. So when someone talks to me, they get me out of my zone completely. Got it. Which is why I, I think that with my physical cues should be sufficient to get people to understand what I want. Got it. If you're comfortable speaking while you're having sex... Right. Then yeah, you mm-hmm. should say whatever you want. I mean, yeah, that'd be great. I love
1: talking during sex. I See? love saying like your arms are so beautiful. Like this See is that's like me. I love I can't kissing this part of your body. Your I couldn't find the word. <laughs> I'm My like talking. I talk total a lot. Sludge when I'm like talking. I talk That's so funny. Mm. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> well, that's am different. That's only different because yeah. yeah, that's
0: cool. Yeah, I get all in. You know, right. I'm an all in person. No matter what I do, I'm mm-hmm. all in there too. Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: Um, I thought I think I want to talk also share with my followers the first time that I had an orgasm. Go for it.
0: Because we both know that very clearly that the first time you had your first. Word. Yeah,
1: we both know that it was quite a journey for me to get an orgasm for the most part. Yeah, and I, I'll probably put it a whole do a whole episode on my orgasm story. Yeah. But I just will share this one thing because you played a big role Thank in that uh, was when I did have an orgasm for the first time. I remember? And it was when I was finally comfortable with sex. I think I just hit this point where like, I remember that the sexual encounter I had in my head was considered dirty, you know, because I just let go and I wasn't thinking about like what's considered normal in sex or how I should be looking when I'm like on top of somebody or like, you were what's just enjoying I was just like, moment. it, it felt it. more animalistic. Like right. I really was you just listening to my body Yeah. and it felt good, right. you know? And, yeah. and, and when that happened, I wasn't thinking about trying to have an orgasm. I was just enjoying it for the first time in my life. I had an orgasm. And I remember that right after that happened, I just felt disconnected from my body, like I was watching me and my partner, and I felt this wave of guilt, I remember. just just wave through my entire body. And and I remember just that I couldn't fall asleep that night. I just was felt dirty. I felt gross. I felt. Just, you came to me like at 4 in the morning, I think. Yeah, like 4 or 5 a.m. I remember yeah. I went downstairs because I wasn't sleeping, and you were there too, not sleeping Never as sleeping. well. prize <laughs> surprise.
0: surprise. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I I, came to you and I told
0: you that what happened. Um, do you want to say anything on it? Yeah, I mean, it really made such a tremendous impression on me on how much damage the way that we were brought up has done to both of us. Right. Because, you know... You and I had been trying to figure out, because you'd been trying to have an orgasm for almost yes. a year and a half, yeah, and without any success, right. and, you know, I'm not a sex therapist, like, you know, that's why I said, go to sex therapy. And I therapy. did, again, and she comes on my podcast. Good. Yeah. So, I, you know, I sent Miriam to, and I sent you to sex therapy. An amazing one, thank you. You're very welcome. But also the, you know, because I didn't know, other than giving you a vibrator and making you feel comfortable about right. sex, how to help. Yeah. Um... So when you came to me and said, hey, I had my first orgasm, and then you, and I thought you were coming to tell me this, and you'd be all excited, like it, it happened, you made it, you did it, and you say, I had my first orgasm, and you just burst out crying, and you were hysterical. Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't downstairs, it was upstairs in my room. Mm. You just saw the light on because I wasn't sleeping. But it was like four thirty five a.m. and I was still in my bed, and you came in and you told me I had sex and I had an orgasm, and I was like, "Yeah!" and you burst out crying. And at first, I was like, "What?" Like at first, I thought like happy tears, happy tears, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't.
2: Yeah,
0: it was because you felt guilty, mm-hmm. and you felt guilty because our world had taught you that lesbian sex is bad. Mm. And so, then I understood, for the first time, why you hadn't been able to have an orgasm before. It wasn't a physical thing. It was a guilt thing. Mm. You had literally internalized homophobia. Your world had so indoctrinated you to believe that lesbian sex, same sex is bad, Mm. that even though intellectually you knew it wasn't so, even though you were actively acting that way, Mm -hmm. the massive amount of guilt you were carrying inside of you, that's what was preventing you from having an orgasm. And the first time you have an orgasm, that guilt came out in full force. And I think you couldn't stop crying. But I think that was also a massive, and I know this is... A pun, I don't know where Shlomo is, but, <laughs> but I know this was a watershed moment. And I know a lot of crying, so yeah, yeah. But it really was a watershed moment because I think you realized that it was internalized homophobia. Mm. And the minute you realized that, it gave you permission to now enjoy sex without guilt. Right. And so it just eradicated that feeling of guilt right well it, it didn't eradicate it but
1: and I think that like you helped me realize that actually for one I, I, oh, good. I think one of the reasons I came to you is because I didn't know why I was feeling that way oh
0: that's even better <laughs> I didn't realize that I was the one yeah and then it you guilt. were the one
1: you're like Miriam it's because of our background it's because oh, of our community yeah. and I was like oh yeah that makes so much sense because I that's why I came to you crying so I was like why is this happening to me <laughs> what's happening you're why right. you're right
0: oh gee hey.
1: yeah he's a better therapist than I thought of and then you said that it's because of our religious background and I was like shit you're right and like realizing that it was internalized homophobia learning that term I didn't even know that it was a term that existed oh, so I
0: didn't realize that I had told you that yeah, yeah it makes sense but <laughs> when you went to the sex therapist and she then, told you the exact same thing right and
1: then she told me the exact same thing and then I had these strategies of things I had to do afterwards where like it was kind of like the first time wearing pants I don't know yeah, exactly it's you feel the, the guilt even though you know that it's logically okay yep. and you just have to to let that guilt be there and you have to know that that guilt is going to eventually go away and that's what it was for me with sex. Too. That's fake it till you make it. Mm.
0: That is literally fake it till you make it. Mm. Even Do the action even though it feels uncomfortable or you're scared or you're shaken. Show confidence, do the action anyway. Right. That's fake it till you make because it. Because you know that it's okay. You know that what you're doing is not wrong. You know that one day if you continually do this, you will actually feel that it's okay. Right.
1: Right. It's like, you actually belief.
0: feel that confidence. And so you actually it. feel that relief. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, and then. Now, I mean, like I got through that. It took I a lot know, of time, so proud of you. and I'm so lucky. Like my partner too was so supportive yeah, of all of that. She was, yeah, like really, really supportive. And I would, I would need yeah. cuddles for like 15 minutes. But everybody needs cuddles. I know, Who but like want I know, but like I needed it. Like I would need 15. Sometimes you want like a fast sex, you know, yeah. and then you just go to sleep. Yeah. I would need like 15 minutes of no phone cuddles afterward, just to not feel shitty in my body, like Absolutely. literally.
0: And also, I just think that what you're saying, yes, maybe applies more to you because. You had this internalized homophobia, but I think, again, as to the point of what's the difference between having sex or using a vibrator, yeah. a vibrator is pure orgasm. Mm. Sex is about more than orgasm. Right. And so, being held, being caressed, being made to feel that you matter to another human being, that's part of sex. Right. So, of course, you want to be... It's the intimacy. Yeah. It's that feeling of there is something between me and this other person that is so natural and so right that we have no secrets. Right. We are literally naked. Right. Literally,
1: and and the thing is that if you don't feel that way, if you don't, you should feel not have sex with that person. <laughs> no, but also if you and you know it's right, even though you don't feel comfortable, just acknowledge that it could be some sort of stigma or some sort of preconceived notion from society that's telling you that it's wrong. But that's if right. it feels right, you know, and that you know that it's okay, then just hold on to that because, like, I'm a make living example of how it. If you know, you do it anyways, and then it will be okay with time. That is
0: correct, um, and so yeah, that's how you do it. You have to. You have to pretend confidence until you feel confidence. Right. You have to pretend security until you feel secure. Right. You have to pretend that you love it and that you're fine with it until you get to the point where you no longer feel the guilt. Yeah, yeah. That's the action and then eventually the emotion will come with it.
1: Right. That's something that I always say that when I don't feel confident, I fake it. Because I always want to appear confident, you know, and, and even when I fake it, eventually that actually weighs on you. When It's like when you
0: say, what did you, something that you say to yourself in the morning, like into the mirror. Yeah, every day. I talk to myself every day and depending yeah. on what challenge I'm facing that day, my message is related to that challenge. Right. So, you know, nowadays, you know, my challenge is someone who is accusing me constantly of all sorts of crazy cheating, lying, stealing, yeah. I don't know, whatever. And, you know, it's very difficult for me, um, to remind myself that I built a billion dollar business. Yes, Queen. That mm-hmm. I am a businesswoman. Yeah. That no man, no matter how loud he speaks lies, is going to be able to destroy what I have built. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell myself every morning. Julia, this man can accuse you, attack you, lie about you, call you names. The truth is the truth. Mm. And the truth is, I built a billion-dollar business in three years, and no matter how much that man would like to pretend that that didn't happen, it factually did.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And no one's going to take that away from me. But Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself of that every day because I open up a newspaper and I see his accusations, and it hurts. Mm. And you feel like, how could this happen to me? When all I did was work hard, and do Mm. everything asked of me, Mm. and then some. Yeah. You got to talk to yourself. Yeah. You know, when I'm feeling like I want to hide in a corner and just sit and cry, I get dressed, I look myself in the face, I look in the mirror, and I tell myself, Julia, don't you dare feel sorry for yourself. You pick yourself up, you go about your day, you will prevail. Mm. Justice will come. And I remind myself of that every day because... The voices that tell me otherwise are very loud and very large. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's really really good to acknowledge those voices and then have other parts of you come out and And say it it out loud. No. Yeah, and just like talk to that part of you. My voice
0: has to be louder, otherwise I won't survive. Right, right. And that's how we all are. Right. We have internalized fear. We have internalized insecurities. We have internalized... Phobias, we have internalized feelings of lack of worth, of complete uselessness, of not, of, of, you know, imposter syndrome. Mm. And to me, the only way to combat those is to talk to ourselves. Yeah. And to put on our armor, Mm. even if we don't feel brave, to act brave. Mm. Because if we continuously act brave, yeah. One day we will be brave. Mm. Yeah. That's totally. what I believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And i that's why I started this podcast, you know, because that's what I believe too. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we both believe that. <laughs> I think it's like either in our, our, our genes, lives. it's in our nature, it's in our nurture, you know. It's, right. It's in something, but it's, it's to our well, core. Well, it's just a
0: fact. It's right. just a fact. That, you know, it, it's, there's, there's so many books about it. Psychiatrists and psychologists talk yeah. about the power yeah. of positive reinforcement. Right how we believe what we hear. Yeah. And and what's so interesting too is that you've
1: always been a big believer in me when I haven't believed in myself. And I do think that if I didn't have you as a voice saying, no, you're going to Stanford, you know, like, and I'd be like, you're crazy. And I said to you, you're crazy. You
0: really told me I was crazy. You I was so angry. I that.
1: was angry. I got mad at you for saying that, but you, you were that that part that that made a voice in my head that that's a possibility. And if I didn't have that voice, I don't think I would have put myself what I put myself through to actually make it happen. Yeah.
0: And that that's means- what I'm saying. If you believe you can, right. you do. Right. I made you believe you could. Right. So you went out and did it. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Right. If you believe you can, even if you can't, right this second, and you do everything in your power to learn, to work, to study. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say fake it till you make it, I don't mean fake knowing something you don't know. Right. I don't mean fake having something you don't have. right? What I mean is growing and instilling character traits in yourself that yeah. you would like to acquire. Yeah. So if you don't have confidence yet, right. fake it because those actions, right. those actions of confidence will actually give you confidence. Yeah. How do you build confidence? Right. That's how, there's only yeah. one way is by consistently acting confident. Mm.
1: Yeah. And so I just, two things I want to end on uh, one is, I think it's so important that we're having this conversation that we're talking about sex because it normalizes it. You know, it makes people feel that it's okay to to talk with your girlfriends about sex. It's okay to get a vibrator. It's okay to say what you want in bed. Is there any a thing you want to add on like why it's important to have these well, kinds of conversations? I think what's really
0: important is that women become as comfortable as men in discussing sexuality. Mm-hmm. Their sexual preferences, their sexual pleasures, first and foremost, amongst themselves. Mm. Women still giggle when you say the word vibrator. Mm. Many women still blush when you talk about vaginas or orgasms. Mm. They get uncomfortable. If they're going to be uncomfortable, how is that ever going to change? Mm. We as women all have to get comfortable with our bodies and our body's pleasure. Mm. The day that we own our own sexuality, the day we no longer blush, when we hear words like vagina, orgasm, sex, desire, body, G-spot, when we stop blushing and being embarrassed and uncomfortable, when we talk and say those words, that's when the beginning of equality between us and men will occur, Mm. and not before. Mm. We have to get comfortable with it. They're already comfortable, right? We don't need anything from them, right? It's us, yeah. Totally. On women ourselves to look at ourselves in the mirror, or to tell our daughters, our sisters, whoever it, we are closely tied to, that not only is it okay to talk about sex, not only is it okay to learn how to receive and give pleasure, it's necessary and healthy and normal and part of life. Mm, yeah. It's not it's not a maybe should be it's as normal as breathing or eating. It is a bodily function just like any other. Mm. And we have no discomfort talking about food and what we ingest. We have we talk women talk all day long about Indigestion and <laughs> you know uh having working out working out every other part of our physical life. We have no problem sharing with the planet. This men have no problem adding sex to that, anything related to sex. Women, we're so silent that mm. we have got to start talking to one another. Mm. We have got to start normalizing sexual pleasure amongst ourselves. Mm. And the day that happens is the day that women and men's sexuality will be looked on as equally relevant, equally normal, equally healthy. Mm,
1: Thank you. That's beautiful. Uh, And then the last other, actually, too, is do you have any resources that you want to share with people, books that have inspired you, Mm -hmm. helped you maybe believe in yourself, or like anything that you want to share with the listeners? My fam. I call them the thinking it fam.
0: Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, Well, you know, for me, I always derive inspiration from the... Out Female outliers of the past. Mm. Um, I loved reading about Catherine the Great. There's a book called Catherine. Um, no, I can't remember the name of the author. We can, oh. we'll put it on the bottom. I can of put the it podcast. In the podcast. Catherine. I love learning about Catherine. I love reading about Cleopatra. Mm. I love learning about the Virgin Queen of England. These are the women. Well, you know, Hypatia. Mm. Um, these are the women who stood out in their time. And forged their own path in a world that was truly antagonistic to them. Mm. So whenever I feel down or I look at uh, the suffragettes mm. and the women's rights movement and mm. what they suffered to get to where we are today. Yeah. And I remind myself that I'm one in a line of millions upon millions of women who have been made to feel less than because of my sex. Mm. And that we are... A generation in thousands of years of generations of women who have been denigrated and made to feel shameful mm. for being pleasured. You know that uh, in the early 1900s, all the way through, like, I think 1920, 1930, maybe even up to the 1940s. I'd have to look it up exactly. But women who didn't get have sexual pleasure and who were very frustrated sexually... They called it a condition. They called it female hysteria. Hysteria.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you
0: know how they treated female hysteria. They would go into a doctor's office and he would fucking give them orgasms. (laughs) Literally. Wow. He fingered them. That's how the first vibrator was invented. It was invented by a doctor who had a booming practice by giving orgasms to women with hysteria and then his hands froze up. So he needed some other method to unhysterify these hysterical women who shock, 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 wanted sex. And that was called hysteria. Mm. Women were literally shamed for feeling pleasure, for wanting sex. Mm. That tells you everything you need to know. And historically, women were made to be pure. Men could sow their wild oats before marriage, Mm. while women had to be pure. How is that normal? That is not normal. That's where this comes from. This comes from this religious idea that women's sexuality and men are so different. Men before marriage played around, sowed their wild oats, all those stories. In England, you know, where the Lord, he has all these women. This girl's never had sex, never kissed a guy. If her virtue is questioned, no one will marry her. And so that dichotomy, that Mm -hmm. discrepancy between the sexes started out there from religion. And so women have to be pure and men could play and do whatever they want. That double standard needs to finally end. Yeah. Women don't need to be any purer than men. Mm. And if men are selling wild oats, so should women. Mm. And women have every right to sexuality as much as men do. Yeah. Period. End of story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, totally agree. Um, And I hope this will help women sow their oats more. Yes. Sow your oats. (laughs) (laughs) And don't be ashamed to enjoy sex. Don't be ashamed to talk about sex. All right. Normalize it. Yes. Talk to your sisters, your children. Right. Of course, I mean, I spoke to Miriam when she was 17. Right. We're not talking about speaking to your six-year-old, right? Right. You have to think, obviously, what age is appropriate. appropriate. On their maturity level. On their maturity level. If they're starting to be sexually active, you know. That's right. I mean, you have to know your own child. I don't think there's any particular age. For me, this conversation with my daughter was when she was 17. I'm sure many people, their daughters, are having sex much earlier than that. Talk to them about it then. If they're going to be doing it, let them do it with your permission. Let them do it with your help and your guidance and Mm. your say-so so so that it's normalized for them, so that there's no internalized guilt. Do not give your children internalized guilt that will mess them up for the rest of their lives. For what? Women have as much right to their sexual pleasure as men do. It's that simple.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the last question asked is, like, how have you faked it? But I think you've answered yeah, that. Answer that. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, so thank you so much for coming on my
0: podcast. I'm so proud of you. I love this podcast. Thanks, I love Mom.
1: Alright, well, that was an absolutely incredible conversation that I had with my mom. I'm so grateful that I was able to share with you all my Faking It fam. This is my first podcast episode with a guest. I really hope you enjoyed it. And it was none other than my mother. Uh, and I hope that if you like this, please share it with your friends. Send this to somebody who needs to hear some sex positivity. Make sure to like and subscribe. My video's on YouTube. Follow me on at This Is Faking It. I'll be having new episodes every Thursday. Kisses, bitches.